I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to another Ulster Rugby Roundup with me, Gareth Hanna, or Jonathan Bradley. Hello. And Adam McKendry. Which coronavirus special is this? D- like six, yeah, seven? Well, no, not quite. Not quite. Maybe, I don't know, three or four probably. <laughs> Rugby was ahead of the curve on the coronavirus because it started to be affected by, well, February. Before it was cool. Yeah, February yeah. 23rd. Was yeah. that uh, So r- Rugby's the hipster sport, is that what you're saying? Um, I don't know if rugby will ever be a hipster sport. Nah. I don't know, you're starting to get craft beers at some English... Oh, stadium, well, true, yeah. so I feel quite hipster now because we're now just doing a podcast on some wicker furniture in Jonathan's <laughs> back garden. You can maybe hear the birds in the background. This is all part of our uh, social distancing ourselves. This and, was uh, the only way for us to stay two metres apart while recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've got so. to say, I quite like it. I mean, the, the wicker chairs are a lot better than the chairs in the office. The sun is also lovely. It's actually quite warm for now. It was looking a bit dicey when it started to hammer it down about mm. an hour ago. But when that song goes in, podcast over, guys. I'm going home. <laughs> But so uh, before that happens, um, we have, of course, the season to discuss because it's on hold for the foreseeable future and nobody quite knows what's going on with Rugby the World or anything else otherwise. But what we do know is that Ian Madigan is joining Ulster for next season, if and when that may be. So we've got some of your listener questions to go through while we discuss that. But first of all, then, since we last recorded, which was, what, a week and a half ago, maybe not quite, rugby and life in general has changed quite significantly. So where are we, Jonathan, with the rugby side of things now compared to where we were last time we were on the podcast? Basically, there is no. Well, the last time we were talking about this was the day that Ireland-France was cancelled, which now seems like a lifetime ago. Like, the fact that we were even contemplating (laughs) that we would have a Six Nations game (laughs) last weekend, completely nuts. Obviously, since then, we've had, as we were just talking about, the NBA went into shut down overnight into Thursday last week, and that sort of sparked a snowball effect. It seemed where now we're in a position where everything is cancelled. So rugby is certainly in the Pro 14 sense suspended indefinitely. There have been dates bandied about certainly domestically 29th of March now as we've seen from the Premier League. That's a nonsense. Yes. Why are, why are sports doing this? I have no idea. It's just it's a it's a kick in the can down the road exercise. Mm. The Pro 14 did the best thing that they could have done which is just to say the league is over until we say it's not over. Yeah. Um, the idea of putting dates on things when nobody knows when yeah. or how this is going to pass is just it's a waste of time basically yeah, well sport sport is the fact that's slightly different to other things because sport you kind of go from one season to the next if you're talking about things just like daily life things just open up again you know whenever this passes and when it will inevitably mm-hmm. pass but things will end like shops and schools and stuff will just open again there's a whole lot of things with exams but for sport you know you've got next season you're not talking about we can just pick up where we left off and continue on. You do have to factor in that at some point you have to go from one season to the next. Rugby is different to most other sports in that you have a mandatory period mm-hmm. between one season and the next. You then have to factor in pre-season. You, know, you can't just go from the Pro 14 Grand Final and start the new season the next week. You've got contracts to sort out. You've got all that to deal with mm. so I, I understand why sport is kind of not not necessarily lagging behind but there's just a lot more to factor in because there's so much more that you have to deal with in mm. terms of do you push next season back do you shorten next season do you cancel this season and just move straight into next season then where do you go with European places where do you go mm. with playoff spots in the, in the uh, premiership what about finances for teams that would have gotten in the playoffs and would have potentially had mm. more games there's just so much more yeah. you have to factor in sport surely 
we're not going to see sport of any kind. Like you're talking about these dates at the end of March, start of April, or even the end of April. Like surely all of those are, are ludicrous if we have sport by June. Surely that would be surprising. July, well, maybe, is that more realistic? Well, I think you're now seeing things that are further and further away being postponed. So that's an indication of the way things are trending. Personally, as I say this, as I've said everything over the past month, not an expert on pandemics. <laughs> no. But it would be a massive surprise to me if we saw rugby this side of when we'd be expecting next pre-season to be. Yeah, which is what? Like August time? August. Yeah. Rugby Players Ireland have come out and said that there is possibility of working it out that this is taken as downtime and that they finish the season during the summer and then have another break before next season and has said that there is a willingness on the part of the players to do that in order to get games because otherwise you're going to be talking about having not played mm-hmm. with six months but that's from a purely player perspective rather than a global pandemic perspective yeah. of whether you know it is going to be possible to play these games during the summer because mm-hmm. if you reach the point where the seasons are actually overlapping then as Adam says you reach the point of basically either having the choice of one you know this season or next season mm-hmm. it does we should say seem a little bit bizarre to even contemplate sport at the minute because it all just feels a little bit irrelevant and pointless but uh, at the end of the day it's I suppose even thinking about it and when sport's going to get back is a little bit of of an escape like I know I find myself just in the house now just being like "Ah, I wonder when Liverpool are going to play again or (laughs) do you remember sport yeah (laughs) I think next time I'm going to get to watch Rory McIlroy playing golf it it is good to have that I suppose because having a date I mean my other sport is ice hockey and the Elite League announced earlier this week that they're hoping to start next season on the second weekend in September and while that's a long time away it's at least something to work towards even though it's by no means that's a set in stone it's something that we've at least got to look forward to if we can get sport mm. back on by then but and of the, course the, as the ice hockey just cancelled this season didn't it? Yeah so the Elite League announced that the season was just over. There were three weeks left of the season to go, yeah. and they just they just said we we've got to cancel it. But that's not something you could see, and like with no disrespect, to ice hockey and something as high profile as rugby or football over here, is it? It might have to happen. I mean, if if you if you get to September, let's say we get to September, and that's the first point that we can actually start playing games again. So forget finishing the season in July and then moving on to next season in September. Let's say you have to get to September and then you're faced with the choice of either finish this season, shorten next season, or run the two seasons very close back to back. Cancelling the season is one of the options on the table. And there's there's a lot of huge decisions that people are going to have to make here across all sports. Mm. Because it's my preference, to be honest. With your Spurs jacket on you. My preference for the football season isn't just that we don't finish it but that we strike it from the record said never <laughs> happened does that mean Pochettino's Poch- back in Pochettino's <laughs> back in Spurs and we just pretend none of this Jose Mourinho business ever <laughs> happened but from a looking at it from a rugby perspective personally I would prefer to see us have a season next season and just say look we don't have a European champion we don't have a Pro 14 mm-hmm. champion mm-hmm. there's not the same history Mm. but even in sports like football you know there is precedent for us not having a champion at the end of some years it does happen more recently in American sports it's happened an NHL lockout baseball lockout things like that there is precedent for it Mm. and you just move on and start the next season I think things would feel more normal if we could Mm. say on as Adam says the second weekend of September we'll have an Ulster game on a Friday rather than say to have all this upheaval but that's me looking at it from 
the perspective of somebody that enjoys watching the sport yeah rather than somebody who is in any way financially dependent on the sport or financially dependent on these games being played because mm. that's a different thing altogether and really that's what's probably going to decide this the financial side of things well that's what? why you can say with 100% certainty that Italy against Ireland will be played but you can't yeah. say with 100% certainty that um, the Pro 14 final will be played mm. which seems at odds given the competitive imbalance of an Ireland v Italy game in the mm-hmm. Six Nations but that's don't forget that Ulster still have nine regular season games to play something that we complained about earlier which now seems completely re- what a fool I was a month ago <laughs> complaining about there being too the much coronavirus has done you a favour like, from a logistics perspective you've got nine games to fit in you cannot play them you know weekend midweek weekend nine games yeah. plus the European plus games, the European plus games. the playoffs so it's <laughs> yes, it's it's physically impossible like to finish this season without yeah. ruining or yeah. curtailing or in some way negatively impacting next season. So yeah, if you finish this season, next season isn't going to start till next year, realistically, is it? Which again, as Adam says, you can't play midweek games. Yeah. To me, it would just make the most sense to say instead of having two seasons squashed, we're just going yeah. to say that this season, th- which is what Major League Rugby in the States has done now they were mm-hmm. only five games into their season and obviously it's a completely yeah. different financial um, outlook for them one, mm-hmm. of, one of the ideas that they could potentially have is don't have a Champions Cup next season but have the knockouts from this season next season you know, see I hate that because it's like a season without the Champions Cup doesn't feel like a real season to me well I, I understand mm-hmm. that but we're talking about you know teams are going to lose out on massive gates from the from the quarterfinals in the Champions Cup and I can see teams wanting to have those games, like even potentially if you have them as your preseason mm-hmm. games, it's not ideal. But this is the thing: we, there's so much that Who needs knows? discussed. You yeah. know, from from a golfing perspective, you've got two majors cancelled, which are massive draws in terms mm-hmm. of money. In football, you've got uh, the Euros has been pushed back a year. Like there's yeah, see, so much like that, if anything should have brought home like the radical nature of the thinking here if they can move the euros then all bets are off really mm. but like what would you really from an Ulster perspective obviously we'd miss the Ulster v Toulouse game to lose out on that would be to lose out in the spectacle of that would be very disappointing obviously there's still the possibility that Ulster could win the Pro 14 I suppose so to lose out on the possibility of going into the playoffs when you mm-hmm. have a good team would feel disappointing but in a historic sense what you're really losing is Leinster's opportunity for an unbeaten season mm-hmm. yeah, I was going to say that <coughs> which is the big thing mm-hmm. well Ulster have never played a knockout game in France so you're missing out on that yeah. <laughs> like, and I really like, wanted to go to Toulouse for the weekend like. no like the Toulouse to, if you were ranking things it would be disappointing to lose like the Toulouse game from an Ulster perspective is the big one to lose the cha- a chance at silverware is a big one but I think Northern Hemisphere rugby is in a fairly unique position the Pro 14 and the Champions Cup are in a fairly unique position because we're all just going to assume that Leinster would win anyway and when we have this <laughs> mm. conversation in the future we'd be like oh well you know Leinster would have won those so to save the bother of the whole thing just give the trophies to Leinster and move on yeah. just like <laughs> You know, unofficially say, look, Leinster, we understand you were going to win, <laughs> but we'd like to have next season without all these headaches. 
uh, been interesting. One of the, we mentioned all of the sort of financial decisions and things that will ultimately decide things. One of those, Martin McGoon asks, is the current situation having any impact on the squads for next season? So if this season was to roll into July, so he's talking about the prospect of it of this season being finished but being played over the summer. What happens regarding players who are out of contract? It's they would have to sign like week to week deals. Again, or a question them. that was brought up by Rugby Players Ireland is something that would have to be overcome so it is an obstacle if it were me and I had a contract elsewhere that was starting I don't think you're risking your next contract to continue to play on like I know that there's people out there unless you get a big injury well that's what I'm saying like there's people out there that would be like oh well you know any any chance you get to pull on the Ulster jersey you shouldn't be turning it down but if you've got a contract that's going to be voided by you playing for Ulster beyond the end of your contract Mm -hmm. personally I don't think you're doing it looking at it from an Ulster perspective but the vast majority of the players that we think are going to be moving on aren't necessarily players that have been featuring regularly anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you imagine, say this had happened last year, and you could worry Bess and Darren Cave retiring, or even in past years when it's like, well, Charles Piatai stops being your player on the 30th of June, and then he's Bristol's player. So you would lose him for the run. And there's going to be situations like that all over Europe with different mm-hmm. teams, especially in France, where there's going to be more appetite I think to finish the season than anywhere else because of the TV deal being you know financially there's the most at stake for France and that's another reason why the Champions Cup is less likely to happen because it's financially more viable for the French teams to not void their TV deal by finishing their league your dog's sick of that point you were just making he's had enough of it it is is a tough a tough day in everyone's life when they've even bored their dogs that he's ran away the, bi- the big one that stands out for me is Semi Randrandra, who yep. plays for Bordeaux. Now, Bordeaux, as it stands, are top of the top 14, but he's signed to go to Bristol next season for reportedly a rather large sum. Do you stay with Bordeaux? Do you say to Bristol, can I, can I stay in Bordeaux and hopefully try mm-hmm. and help them finish top? Or are Bristol going to say, no, we want you to join us for our run-in? And Bristol are up near the top of the premierships, and They've got the Challenge Cup. Yeah, they've got the Challenge Cup as well. So they've got designs on winning a trophy and, well, winning two trophies and then potentially qualifying for the Champions Cup as well for Mm. next season. So (laughs) there's so much up in the air Mm. at the moment. It's probably a case of if a player is sitting here at the moment without a contract for next season but is planning to stay on, this has actually probably helped them because there's probably the likelihood that they will get some kind of short-term deal whenever their deal runs out just to help with contract numbers and all that but for mm-hmm. players who are going somewhere else on the 30th of June there's a lot of discussions to be yeah, had and there's so many things that go beyond just you know <laughs> basic safety you know this this is talking about things that in the grand scheme of things don't matter whatsoever you know the big problem mm-hmm. here is worldwide pe- people are dying of the coronavirus but you know from a from a sporting perspective which is what we love to bring ourselves back to just to sort of keep a sense of reality during all this there's a lot of discussions that are going to have to take place behind closed doors yeah. in terms of what are players going to do whenever june rolls around who's left andrew moffat asks who is left at ulster that hasn't been re-signed for next year and he says jonathan that you mentioned in your article that five academy players are due to believe are due to leave as well as five squad players he wants to know who but would be unfair to name at this stage i don't think there's really enough need really to there's you not. know when you're talking there's about not. 19 and 20 year olds that are seeking other employment no absolutely um, not who's left then in terms of like those high profile like will allison <coughs> still hasn't got a contract will allison and jordy murphy, murphy they're your two regulars that are like 
What's going on here, Ulster? Yeah. Could do Le- this being a Le- nice Le- suit. Le- 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 as well. Signed. He's too busy making sausages. <laughs> They're very good, actually. Have you tried them? No, I haven't had one yet. They are very nice. Should have got one at Lurgan that day. They were at Lurgan mm-hmm. Rugby Club that day, but I didn't know they were there, so I didn't get them. But look, I will at some, at some stage or other. And not for the foreseeable future, because it'll be self-isolating soon. So. Right, I chatted to Lee about it uh, a few weeks ago and the best part of it was he told me whenever they first started making the sausages that as soon as they gave them to the players Rodney Ayew was straight in with an order for 10 kilograms of them. I just knew of, of any player that has played for Ulster over the last 20 years if they were going to order 10 kilograms of sausages it would have been Rodney Ayew. That's a sensible order to be making these days, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of doing, doing likewise in the butcher just to be prepared. 10 kilograms of toilet roast. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, is there any indication yet as to whether those three players will say? I mean, you assume they will be signing on again at Ulster. But I think we, have we heard anything official? I, well, I th- not official. Nothing official. Have I we heard any steers? I think that they will all be there. Yeah, I've changed my mind yeah. on... Uh, Jordy, I think he's staying there. Why did you? Oh, yeah, you did. You came up with your conspiracy theory, didn't you? Yeah. It was very interesting. But no, you think he's staying? Yeah. That'll be good news in the current climate. Um, I know also should be getting these things out there. And yeah. Maybe they are, because they, they brought us the news last week of a signing. We'll discuss that in a little minute. They do blow our own trumpet, but we brought the news of the signing. They didn't. Sorry, you're <laughs> right, of course. That's just it. I see. Ian Madigan, of course, is joining Ulster as uh, the news that Jonathan broke exclusively on Saturday morning. Well done, Jonathan. Give us the inside scoop on the scoop. How do these things happen? Well, first of all, what happened was Adam was like, have you heard anything on he this tennis? And then we spent the next... 40 minutes debating it. Yeah, and then spent, I don't know, a couple of hours on Saturday morning asking lots of different people and waiting for somebody to say yes. <laughs> and eventually he got those few yeses yes. and away we went. Two yeses was all we needed. We got there and then. Away we go. So the, the siding brought some decidedly mixed reaction from supporters I think that's fair to say Adam what was your what's your view on it I think it's a great move I think Madigan represents that experience 10 that Ulster were needing because you still look at that age profile of Ulster's 10s you've got Burns is 25 uh, Johnson is 23 Lowry's 21 so whenever your entire 10 core are all 25 or under you're missing that experience name and I know Madigan isn't vastly experienced in terms of age but he's an Ireland international he's played in the Pro 14 uh, the Premiership and the Top 14 so he's been about the place and if you listen to what Callum Sheedy said whenever he left you know the guy is a great mentor to other fly halves within the team so if you consider what he brings in terms of playing capacity in terms of he'll likely become the backup to Billy Burns and will pose a real threat to him in terms of taking that starting jersey mm-hmm. and also as a mentor to the likes of Johnson, to the likes of Lowry coming through. I think it's an excellent signing mm-hmm. from an Ulster perspective. Do you think he's going to be a serious threat to Billy Burns' starting place? Yeah, he's, he's still a very good 10. And people forget that because he hasn't been playing for Bristol, but the guy is an international quality 10 he has that ability in him he maybe hasn't shown it for the past few years but he has that quality in him and therefore if you can get him into a team where 
they're playing some positive rugby and getting some game time, which Bristol weren't able to do simply because Shady was playing so well. Then there's the potential you unlock that again, and you've got a very good player on your hands. Coupled with the fact that he is a very versatile player, you know, you can slip him in at 12 or 15 as well. So there is the option to move him about a bit if you want to give Johnson a game if Burns isn't available, because now you've got that sort of reassuring presence of having Madigan there whenever Burns is potentially away as 24th man with Ireland or, or potentially even playing with Ireland and therefore you've got that little bit more comfort mm-hmm. I think it's a great move from an Ulster perspective and I think certainly the fact that he's on a one-year deal suggests that him and Johnson are now sort of going to be battling it out for maybe a deal beyond that but uh, I certainly think Ulster certainly haven't weakened themselves with this signing, yeah. I think that's the main thing you got to bear in mind. Ulster are not a weaker team for having Madigan on board. We probably haven't done a good job of reflecting the balanced views of fans because you also think it's a good signing. Can you see that other side of it though, where, where people maybe weren't overly enamoured by? There's the element that an awful lot of Ulster fans spent a number of years saying that Madigan wasn't as good as an Ulster player, so therefore took a dislike to him because they were mm. battling for an Irish position in the same way that, you know. You would have got Ulster fans saying Ronan O'Gara was crap yeah. because he wasn't David Humphreys. Which was true. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is grand. That's fine. Then you have the fact that I suppose he's come from Leinster and he, rightly or wrongly, is seen as representing something of Leinster rugby because he's got a stylish haircut and he went to Blackrock and um, <laughs> whatever. Again, that's completely incidental to anything to do with how he's going to play rugby next season. The fact that he cried after the France game in a pair of green boots, you know. All, all of these things that I've seen various people on social media take on bridge to have nothing to do with how he's going to play rugby. So I'd shovel them aside, none of that matter. Then there's a slightly more reasoned argument that he's going to stunt the development of Bill Johnson or Mike Lowry. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that as being particularly true either because those players are still going to get chances. And if they're good enough to be what people project them to be, then Madigan might not get another contract at Ulster. Or he might be yes. third choice by the end of it. But everyone always talks about the need for depth. And then Ulster have signed players to be options. And it's like, well, how is this going to affect the development of the young players? And you can't have both. Like mm-hmm. you, can't have, <laughs> yeah. you can't have options and you can't have depth without there being competition for places that is going to see promising players miss out certain weeks. Mm-hmm. And the point that I made like in the piece that I wrote about it on Monday mm-hmm. is like nobody at Leinster is saying oh, we could really do without Jack Conan and Dan Levy coming back because Scott Penny and mm-hmm. Max Deegan and Keelan Doris are coming on so well. Like if they're good players, which they are, which Mike Larry and Bill Johnson are, competition will drive them what they can learn from Ian Madigan as the only Billy Burns isn't inexperienced because he's played so many games but as Adam says he's still young so all of those players can learn from the experience of Ian Madigan somebody who's won a European Cup won a Pro 12 has played in Ireland England France and has 30 caps which is 30 caps more than the rest of the Ulster outhalves combined Mm -hmm. so if Ulster were signing Madigan for a year and getting rid of Bill Johnson and Mike Laurie or getting rid of Billy Burns and I would say that doesn't make any sense Yeah. but to just give yourself an option and to give yourself experience is what a good team should do and it's what they did with Albie Matthews as well 
and there wasn't the same you know people weren't being like oh well this is going to curtail Dave Shannon or this is going to curtail we've got Nathan Doak finishing school soon you know (laughs) what's this going to mean for him which is what makes me think that it's just was just a personal thing which is a complete nonsense Mm. you mentioned earlier Adam his potential to get back in the Ireland squad how do you rate those chances because he's never made any secret of the fact that he would would like to do that well look he's he's got to start playing games for Ulster first (laughs) and that's that's the case of any Leinster player that has joined Ulster so I think the the first thing he's got to do is <clears throat> take that John Cooney approach of play well for Ulster and that will get me back into the Ireland squad. And that's something that he can look at a lot of Ulster players and say it's worked for them. Jack McGrath's back in the Ireland squad. John Cooney is now in the Ireland squad and arguably should be starting for Ireland. Marty Murr can't be far off being in the Ireland squad and perhaps would have been for the Six Nations if he hadn't gotten injured mm-hmm. uh, in that final game so I think the first thing he has to do is come back and play well for Ulster and that's got to be his sole focus to begin with and I'm sure it will be Like I, I don't think he's going to come over and is, he's going to immediately focus on Ireland because that's just not how it will work no. if, if he does that then I think there'll be more pitfalls than there will be positives for him so the main thing is He'll come back, just get focus on getting that 10 jersey with Ulster, and then from that, things will snowball if he continues to play mm-hmm. well. And look, again, it's, it's something we've talked about before. His versatility helps him in that he can come in and be, if he's not starting, he's a very good option for that 22 jersey because he covers 12 and 15 as well. Yeah. But that's far down the line he's on a one year deal with Ulster which suggests that it's very much a let's take a look at you and see what you have to offer and if he plays well then there'll be a contract waiting at the end of that but mm-hmm. the, fir- the fir- first things first is get into the Ulster team because <laughs> the Ulster team isn't an easy team to get into at this point you know yeah. guys are being signed and they're not going straight into that team Matt Faddis hasn't been a lock in the Ulster team all season Sam mm-hmm. Carter hasn't been a guaranteed starter whenever he was fit. So, you know, Ulster are no longer in a position where they're signing guys and immediately dropping them straight into that first team because they need them. They're in a position now where guys are having to fight for their spots every single week and Madigan's going to be no different. Mm -hmm. If he was good enough, Jonathan, why has he not got more game time since he left Ireland? Well, since the first year and a half, maybe, at Bordeaux? Well, I think things... Um, like he started for Bordeaux up until um, he got injured, and then I think it was was it Simon Hickey was yeah yeah um, was then starting. But you know that was the season when they had three different head coaches, and the whole thing just wasn't wasn't working out. And at Bristol, like you only have to look at the reaction to from Bristol fans to him leaving to see how he's thought about there. It's not a case of he's out of the team, so everyone thinks he's rubbish. Basically, he's out of the team, and Adam made reference to it earlier. Because they've signed Semi Madrana and have somebody familiar to us in Charles Piatai and have to pay both those players, yeah. it was going to be impossible for him to stay next season. Mm-hmm. And John Afoa, by the way. And Don't John forget to. <laughs> um, so, Kev Geary, it's just. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> everyone's over. There's um, a feature in that. <laughs> anything. There's a feature in anything at the moment. Um, so, it was always going to make sense for Bristol to move towards a cheaper option at 10 basically if you have somebody coming through who's on a relative pittance or you have 
somebody who's made an awful lot of money um, since leaving Ireland on big contracts. If you have a choice between the two, mm-hmm. you should be picking the cheaper player. That's yeah. just sure. good Makes economics. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you just look at the outs from Bristol at the end of the season. You know, Matt Prothero's going back to the Os- or going to the Ospreys. Nicky Thomas is going back to the Ospreys. One of their wingers, Tom Pincus, is left to go back to Australia. You know, they are they're cutting salary elsewhere to bring in all these big names. Mm-hmm. So, from what I've heard, I don't think Bristol were necessarily ushering them out the door, but mm-hmm. they were very yeah. conscious that they were going to have to cut costs somewhere, and it just happened to mm-hmm. be there. So, Ulster, Ulster's gain is very much Bristol's loss. He said it himself, bluntly enough, like, if I had been able to sign a two-year, or sign, not if I had been able to, two-year deal would have been ideal, but uh, you signed yeah. a three-year deal. Yeah. Can I just make one point on everyone saying, you know, Bill Johnson has been playing so well recently? I mean, I really feel for 100 him. minutes. <laughs> I, I really feel for Bill Johnson because he has improved recently. His two games before everything was shut down were really good. And this is just one of those ones where I think Ulster, the way that rugby contracts work is you're sort of looking probably around October, November at what you're going to need for next season. And it's the way it has to be because if you snooze, you lose. Another team comes in, takes a player that you wanted. So you have to be looking quite early in the season at what you're going to need for the following season. And back then, Johnson himself has openly admitted that he wasn't really training that well. He just hadn't really fit into the system uh, he wasn't getting game time behind Burns because he had just formed such a great partnership with Cooney. So Ulster were probably looking at fly half and thinking we still need someone else in there. So Johnson is one that's just unfortunately lost out here and it's a real shame for him. But I, I understand people sort of thinking, you know, why are Ulster going out and getting another fly half whenever Johnson has shown some uh, some promise in recent weeks? This probably isn't a response to anything Johnson has done recently. This is a response to the fact that he just didn't quite settle as quickly as they had hoped back at the start of the season. And it's it's a real shame for him because he had looked quite good in the in the past few games. Well it's quite like as far as I know that this move was mooted in the middle of February. Yeah. And then the fact that Ulster had identified a ten, a ten as an area of need was even before that. Yeah. So one before Johnson had those two games where he played well and um, this was in the pipeline and two as, as impressed as we were with Bill Johnson in those two games it would be reckless for Ulster to take 80 minutes against um, Cheetahs and 20 minutes against the Ospreys mm. and say well we thought we needed a 10 but now we don't yeah fair enough can we expect any other new signings over the coming weeks I think they're pretty much set to be honest like well, I suppose that, like I'd put it to you, like where do you think they would strengthen if they were going to get somebody else? And assuming that Jordy's going to stay, the the only thing that I think would change Ulster's mind, <laughs> I don't want to go all the way back to what we were talking about, but is if the season is prolonged and you get into a position where you're discussing contracts and players going ahead and leaving, even though uh, you've got still pretty much half the season to run. Ulster might go and look somewhere maybe for a loan deal or something to try and bring someone in to fill a gap somewhere. Mm. Yeah, um, but but I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where they would strengthen. Maybe, maybe some depth at Hooker. I, I, I honestly don't know. Like Hooker's going to be an interesting one because mm. you've got Rob Herring and Adam McBurney. So Tom Stewart, really, you know, is he ready to be your 
Is he ready for minutes? He's uh, still too young. Like, I, I, I'm very high on Tom Stewart, and I know a lot of people in Ulster are very high on him as well, but he's still only 19, I think. He might not even have turned 19. So I, I still think he, he's got some developing to do at under-20 level like, before he yeah. jumps up to the senior team. He's going to be a really good player. This would only be year two out of the academy for him. You know? yeah. And again, you know, unfortunate because he was going well at under-20, so you would have liked to see him. Um, I know it's only two games, but even those two games plus the um, under-20s World Cup. Mm. It would have been really good to see somebody like him and an awful lot of the other Ulster yeah. players who were involved in the 20s level, but that's obviously not going to happen. Think will will there be, just to keep us moving on, time is actually ticking on. Tom Armstrong wants to know will there be any, well, any news on players entering the academy and who else could that be? It seems that Duke and Finlay, we can take it as red that they're coming in, which is probably fair. Well, I would never take it as red. Well, we thought Ethan McElroy was going to start this season yeah, in the academy. That's very true. Yeah, that's true, to be fair. And then you, you, know, you don't know what some people are going to do. Some people are set on going abroad for... Also true. Abroad's maybe a bit grand. Across the water <laughs> for a university, down to Dublin for university, you know. Abroad. Yeah. Um, you're having to cross a whole border, Johnny. Yeah, like not not to get political. You're back. You're back into the European <laughs> Union if you go yeah. across the border now. Not by. Uh, we'll not go into which one of those <laughs> I consider abroad. Like, no matter what your political beliefs are, though, presumably you believe one of them is. <laughs> so it's all right. You'll 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 get your usual academy intake probably around September, early October. Yeah. Like Ulster started to started to announce who will be coming into the academy at the start Anybody of the season. the Schools now, Cup so. that we've seen so far that you would sort of tip to be a potential? I would be surprised if... Sorry, not I would be surprised, having just said what I said. Um, I would be surprised if they didn't want Ruben Crawlers in the mm-hmm. academy. Yeah. Because um, he's a very, very good player. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I would imagine they might be looking at some of the RBAI centres uh, as yeah, well. Possibly yeah. Jude Postlewaite. Oh, uh, yeah, he um, was, he's been was brilliant. Was excellent in that. Uh, semi-final and just from t- from talking to a few people in Inst they're uh, they're really impressed by him mm. so um, there's a couple of tips then it's a good job guys need second rules they do I mean I've I've heard a lot of people are very complimentary of Conor McManaman and he's been sort of around the system for a while now yeah, he, he, pl- <laughs> 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 he, he plays his club rugby for Malone and Anytime I've seen him, I've thought I've thought he's been pretty good, and my general analysis of individual players tends not to be that good. But the only thing that would sort yourself of a disservice, yeah. the only thing that would kind of be a sort of black mark against him is his age. I think he's already nineteen or twenty, so he's already sort of been oh, one one him. year remo- <laughs> he's already been one year removed from sort of that coming out of school student to the academy stage. As this so podcast to elder statesman. <laughs> <laughs> I get over the fact that nineteen was being held against somebody. There. I, d- I don't. I don't know. Look, I, d- I don't know what Ulster's sort of mentality is in terms of inducting players into the academy for their first year. You know, one. one I team still feel like we're short of some uh, veteran thirties experience over there. Like. <laughs> we definitely are on this podcast. De- <laughs> definitely, definitely got a year in me over there. It, um, well, we'll have a little and finally question from uh, Donald O'Reilly, who wants to start raining. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. So he wants us to name three players, coaches or 
related rugby staff to make up our fantasy four ball. I need to I need with to ourselves. That would be a three way competition. Then this is golf. Obviously, he's talking about if you didn't know from the word four ball there. I I need to know. Are we doing this like a draft where we go round and take yeah. one player each, or can yeah. we name the three players? No okay. draft draft situation. I get to go first. I should definitely go first what? because I don't play golf, so I'm automatically at the biggest disadvantage. That's fair. Mm. All right, all right. I'll give him that, and then I get to go second because you're the better golfer out of the two of us. Well, that's fine. That's all right. Look, I've I've looked up a list of the ten best rugby like players who play golf, so it's all right. So you just go ahead. I'll pick the three do, that you don't pick off. Do they list. have to be current players? No, I think it says a no. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as long-time listeners of the podcast will know, despite all my talk, I don't play any golf, and still don't. Despite your talk is red. Before this coronavirus happened, I got golf lessons for my birthday. I was going to take them, but no, I can't. No, well, that's true. I mean, so golf, golf courses are still open. I'm down to play tomorrow. Courses are open, but you can't get an actual lesson from somebody. That would be insane. No, as long as they stand two metres away from you, I think you're okay. So let, anyway. let's, let's pick our players. Um, so because <laughs> I'm so bad, I'm going to take Ulster's best golfer to counterbalance that, and I'm going to take Stuart McCluskey, who I believe is the best golfer. In terms of handicap, yeah, that was he's, my he's first very, pick. He's low, isn't he? Isn't he, off he like is, four or yeah, something? he's he's very good. My my picks between two. I'm gonna go with Craig Gilroy, just because I know he he really enjoys golf. He get into the intensity of the competition. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go for Ian Madigan because apparently in 2012 he played off nine. Now I'm not saying that rugby players, sports players in general, don't really have much to do with their time, but. Any professional sportsman that I know play a lot of golf on the side. So I'm going to assume since 2012 his handicap has got a lot better than nine. Uh, I am going to guess that he's now a very good golfer. We can find that out at a later date, but he's my first pick. We need to ask him. I'm going to take Mike Gibson because, oh, wow. one, I assume he's good, and two, he's a famously private person. So I imagine that the only way that I would get to spend a couple of hours with Mike Gibson would be if I were to somehow force him to play in this fantasy golf competition. Hold on a second. You can't start, like, getting feature ideas from this yeah, golf like competition. No, it is all, it's all about the golf here. Player. Come on. This is, a, this is intensely competitive here. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm picking my team solely on who I think is going to get me the well, win. Who's, who's your number two? My number two would be, and only because I've actually played around a golf with him and I know he's good, Rory Best. Stephen Ferris then uh, because I played on him he wasn't great but just I know he plays golf and like he plays a lot of golf so like That's how and he's retired so he's been about a lot I'd, even more I'd golf now you see you lead off with he's not that good he's not that's, good. that's some he, great motivation uh, from the team captain pick. right there it is what it is <laughs> I'll pick Dan McFarland again just to get a bit of chat going see uh, see what he's thinking about life Gareth, I don't think we have anything to worry about here. I think our team's got this in the bag. My team was never going to win because it had me on it, quite frankly. I have no say in, in these competitions. It's usually best three cards out of the four. So All right, so I could have just... I could have been the team mascot. I you could have just that. hacked it around while the rest of the team won it for you. Well, so then the same applies. Like, I can just be there while these guys yeah. play golf and I can it. ask them questions. Yeah. My last one will be John Cooney. I think he's a good golfer. I, mean, I think I've, so. 
Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Yeah, he reads a lot of golf. But wh- whether he's good at golf, I don't know. But like, we're taking a risk with all of these. I mean, we should put out, like, this is an open invitation for any of these guys to, <laughs> like, actually sign up and play. Like <laughs> not really, because I wouldn't play, but the rest of you. All right, Gareth and I can... <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near any of them in the current climate, to be honest with you. So I'm going to pick myself a team captain. You know, like, obviously I am. I'll be, like, the manager of the team. I'm going to pick myself a good captain. So it was between Brian O'Driscoll and Paul O'Connell, but I've just seen that Brian O'Driscoll once described himself as a bad nine handicapper, so he's out. Paul O'Connell is my final pick. He plays all four, it seems. Did you not so see that uh, putt with Brian O'Driscoll that he made in front of Tiger Woods? Oh, yeah, did oh, see that. that was yeah, an yeah, unbelievable like, putt. Also, I thought this was Ulster players. Can we? No, no, it was anybody. Oh, so. Maybe reason. Nah, you, you picked your team now. So, Paul O'Connell, Ian Madigan, and uh, Stephen Ferris. And Jonathan has. McCluskey, Dan McFarland, and Mike, Mike Gibson. Gibson. And Adam Hans. Craig Gilroy, Rory Best, and John Cooney. Uh, it would be a good day out if nothing else. But it'll <laughs> never happen. But uh, <laughs> there we go. So that's some light relief to the current lineup. But look, uh, we'll be back when we're back. Basically, there's no set timetable at this stage. But we are wor- working on things and seeing what we can do podcast-wise. Because while we know rugby and sport in general is not... Uh, important at all in the current world climate we also know that it can be important just to get 45 minutes out of what's going on and maybe think about Ian Madigan for a few minutes and how he'd be on the first day and whether he'd the ball or not but if there's anything that you want us to talk about or indeed write about do let us know because yeah, we're open to all, <laughs> all ideas <laughs> we have ideas. so many pages we need to yeah. fill over so the next we'll, few like, weeks so we're, we're going to look at clubs and try and a bit more of that so yeah. if you have any interesting club stories out there DMs are open on Twitter absolutely and, and if you want us to convene rugby stories also just yeah. anything anything and <laughs> anything. if you want us to convene for more podcasts let us know yeah because yeah, otherwise for we're not taking the risk <laughs> yeah <laughs> like this might be the last time we see each other face to face for well, months here we go so the sun has gone though so for now from John Bradley goodbye from Adam McHenry cheers guys stay and safe Gareth Anna stay safe and thanks for listening